It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Nice day. Uh, you know, it's it's just a a nice day for you know walking fifty miles, right, Shannon? Absolutely. You know, it could have been better. <laughs> Perfect day for this. Good luck tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I can't imagine there are too many people who listen to our show that are not uh, also uh, KSR fans so uh you're familiar with uh, shannon's odyssey that he is about to begin this evening so we wish him well uh coming up on the show today uh tom hart will join us from the sec network at espn uh justin roland from cats illustrated and we will uh have an interview i taped yesterday with coach darren henshaw uh uk football qb's coach uh he'll uh join us to talk a little bit about Terry Wilson and the gang at quarterback for Kentucky. That's our guest lineup. We'll get to the Wildcat news of the day. Uh, the story I think everybody is is talking about is not a, a UK story, but one certainly in our area. We talk about the Reds from time to time, and uh, Tom Brenneman, who is the uh, Reds announcer on the Fox Sports Ohio TV package, has been suspended. Was suspended last night, taken off the air uh, in the middle of a game out in Kansas City. Uh, he uh, used a homophobic slur in a comment that was heard just ahead of what you would call a reset coming out of a commercial where you uh, welcome the audience back. Uh, this comment was uh, heard just prior to that uh, reset. Um, Brenneman apologized. Uh, clearly, it's uh, language that is just uh, inexcusable. So we will see. Uh, where this goes from here, but it's just, uh, it is a suspension at the moment um, for Tom Brenneman. The other big story that uh, I think a lot of people in our state are in, engaged in right now is the Kentucky High School Athletic Association's Board of Control meeting, which is in about a little less than 90 minutes, and they are going to discuss uh, fall high school sports. Now they, in their most recent meeting, they set a plan that uh, I know I don't know all the details on all the sports, but I do know football was slated to start on September 11th, and like maybe practice could start next week. And since then, uh, the governor has urged schools to postpone in-person classes until uh, late September. So, will the board push back? the start of the season till then will they leave it as it is will they do something uh in between or something else so everybody in the high school sports world is kind of on the edge of the seat uh, today to see how uh, this vote plays out or this meeting plays out assume there will be uh, a vote uh, eddie grand uk offensive coordinator talked with the media yesterday after practice uh, he talked about the running backs and trying they've got so many guys there that uh, all have um varying skill sets and he said they're trying to get uh, put guys in different personnel groupings and then who performs well in those groups will get the call when those groups are deployed you know so and theoretically it could be the the same guy that that 
is at the top of the list in every group, but most likely it won't be. It'll be somebody will be better if uh, you're looking in a you know two minute drill. Somebody's better in um, you know a uh, one back set. Uh, whatever the the different groupings are. So um, that's going to be you know it's, it's probably going to be the most really unimportant depth chart position. Uh, they'll list somebody one, two, three, or four, but really. It, you know, from a game to game, I, I would imagine it could, you know, the guy who gets the bulk of the carries might change from game to game depending on the circumstances. Unless, as Eddie Grant and Mark Stoops have always said, somebody gets hot, they'll ride the hot hand. Uh, Eddie also talked about uh, that the wide receiver group looks hungry. And, and why wouldn't they be? They didn't get many chances last season. But God bless those guys for how uh, team-oriented they were and how well that they blocked. Uh, didn't complain last season when Kentucky was so run-heavy with Lynn Bowden. Uh, CBS's John Rothstein, college basketball reporter, uh, tweeted out yesterday that he's hearing from a lot of college basketball coaches that uh, we should expect regional bubbles for non-conference games. Sounds similar to what Cal was talking about in that ESPN interview a couple of days ago. Uh, and that could be really intriguing. You know, you'd, you'd take the four teams with a Champions Classic, maybe you take them to uh, Orlando and they play around Robin over four or five days. Speaking of Cal, uh, kudos to his video message that he tweeted out uh, to students uh, last night because I, I thought the tone was really good. I think I think you're usually better in this day and time to try to appeal to people's better angels rather than scold them or order them or guilt them or pressure them. And Cal just talked about Look, it's not fair, trying to, the message to students. It's not fair. You ought to be able to, you know, it's your college experience. You ought to be able to, to enjoy the, the full college experience. But it's, you, they, they need you to not do that right now. And it's not fair. And he kept repeating, it's not fair. Uh, I, just, I, I thought the tone of the message was good. I saw uh, some comments from Dr. Capilouto that struck a, a similar tone. So if you're going to have a shot, at uh, convincing students to be able to uh, do what you need them to do to be able to stay with in-person classes, uh, I think that's probably the the approach you're going to have to take with it. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll head to a break. Our show serve up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back with, hopefully, Tom Hart. Uh, He's finishing up a... uh, baseball broadcast. If not, we may push him back a little later. We'll see when we come out of the break. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. 16 past the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Tom Hart from the SEC Network at ESPN. And and this is just such a 2020 thing. Uh, It is a quarter past nine Eastern time and you just finished a game, right? <laughs> I did. And it was a long game, um, and it was a long ways away from where I am, from where all of us are. It was a Korean baseball game in Guangzhou, South Korea. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we do these days to get live sports. I'm hoping that we'll have more live sports here in, you know, five weeks or so when SEC scheduled to – restart but it was um you know it was a fun it's it's been a lot of fun tom first of all, um and i've learned a lot about a league that i previously knew very little about but um i think it was a, a nice appetizer when they were able to start before anybody else did 
This is just a, a kind of a, a literally inside baseball thing for a broadcaster. Do you phonetically have all the names spelled out in front of you, or because no, it's not your... no, I am. I, I made a joke earlier um, when I first started. I got in after they'd already been on the air for a while, so I reached out to my buddies who were already doing it, Carl Ravitch and Book Shambi and Jason Benetti, and I said, "Hey guys, I, I'm I'm doing my work. I'm doing my prep." pronunciation guide anywhere available that um, I just have yet to find. And they all laughed, and they said, no, there is no pronunciation guide for the KBO. And there are a couple of uh, hints um, that they're able to, some guys are able to give me, hey, when you see these letters, this is how it's pronounced. Um, but any concern we had about mispronouncing names, which is typically, to me, just like the number one rule, right? Um, they quickly went out the window when I realized like none of these players' moms are going to call and complain. <laughs> So I think we're going to be okay. Uh, there's a story that uh, uh, Ralph Hacker, who followed Kaywood in this job at Kentucky, told me once that he was working on the pronunciations for uh, maybe the Czechoslovakian national team playing Kentucky in an exhibition game in the 70s or uh, early 80s. And Kaywood said, Ralph, don't worry about that. Their mamas and daddies aren't listening. And yeah. in, the inter- in the Internet age, though, they could be. They, they could. They're probably watching the Korean broadcast. But um, I I had a problem when, when Bam Adebayo was at Kentucky. I, I had a um, a brain lock. I just I could not pronounce his name properly. Like, I remember doing my first game that I did when he was there. It took me to the second half before I was able to re- repeat it properly. And um, I don't know why. I mean, I knew the proper way to say it. I just my brain kept playing tricks on me. And a month later, I think it was, I was at a funeral. And a guy comes up to me at the funeral, and he says, Hey, you know, I'm sorry to see you in these circumstances, as you always do at a funeral for someone you hadn't seen in a while. And I said, Yeah, it's good to see you, too. Um, and he goes, Hey, what's your problem that you can't, can't pronounce Bam's name? At the funeral. <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, are you, Seriously? Like, what? There's a body over there, and you're you're that upset that I can't pronounce. That's your biggest concern. Yeah, there's the, trust me. There there are other people having a worse day than you right now. <laughs> uh, well, while we're talking broadcasting stuff, uh, let me ask you about the Tom Brenneman story from uh, last night, and just I'll, I'll just throw it to any comment you you choose to make. Well, I, I see people in the broadcasting side of things. Um, immediately say, there's a reminder, every mic is a hot mic. And, and that's true. And what that means to folks who aren't familiar with it is you have to treat it as if it's always open and whatever you say will go over the air. Um, and that's an accurate statement, and I'm guilty of not respecting an open mic like I should. Um, my, the conversations that I have with people back in the truck or to my partners, um, you know, can be, can be way more casual than what you want to portray on the air. But to me, that's not an excuse. If you use that type of language to marginalize someone or demean someone, uh, whether you meant for it to go up on the air or not, that's a problem, and that's an issue. And I was I was talking to my wife about it last night, and I said, you know what, I, I do curse a lot in, in my life, and um, and there's times where I hit the talk back bo- button and will use a curse word, you know, for whatever reason to the people that I'm having a casual conversation with. And I said, but those, those, are, those are words that I use that I would never use on the air, but in, in our common social life, they're okay. 
then there's other words that are never okay to say. And I, that was what was disappointing to me, that he would so casually use that word, whether um, the mic was open or not, whether he was having a formal or casual conversation to me. There's just no place in this world for that. Yeah, just uh, inexcusable certainly is, is the word that fits it, but it seems like it's not quite strong enough. Um, yeah. Let's move on to college football and, you know, Things happen. We wake up every day, see different stories. Now it's I think Notre Dame uh, has called off a couple of practices, but I did hear a report earlier today that uh, somebody covers Notre Dame that thinks if if uh, as long as they don't show up with a it was as a, if, if they don't show up with a, a rash of positives on the football team that they'll probably return to practice uh, by Friday. Uh, Carolina suspended uh, athletics for uh, for the moment from practicing. Um, are you optimistic that? We'll be working games on the last weekend in September. My mood changes every day, and I hold my breath with every tweet. Um, you know, you're hearing those reports from Notre Dame football, North Carolina football, not just power five schools, but big brand names, because, number one, they're sending out information, and number two, they're being asked for information. What we haven't heard reports from our schools in the Sun Belt Conference USA and um, – and the Americans, who are also very important to playing college football this year, they just don't have the same media coverage. Um, they're important from the tonnage that, that we'll get as viewers and also for some of the non-conference games that they'll be, they'll be playing. So I, I am concerned that there have been more positive tests on campus, but I also know talking to people that the programs that are doing it right have kept almost a closed-door policy. Like, they have uh, – there is not a real bubble – so to speak, um, but they have isolated their players to an extent. And, and when Swarbrick and some of the other athletic directors said in the middle of the summer, well, you can't have, you can't have sports without school in session, I just thought that was unrealistic for a, a lot of different reasons. And I said, those, those are words you might regret if push comes to shove. Um, and I think there's room. There's room to play with players and other students taking online classes. Um, you know, my, my, my daughter's involved in drama. She's going to be schooling from home, but they're going to still have, you know, they're still going to have drama. They're going to still have opportunities to do things like that. So um, I, I'm, I'm curious and I'm anxious and I hold my breath on a regular basis. And um, I think that the SEC has, has given the teams proper protocols to follow and they're working really hard to the problem, as we know with this, is no matter how much you respect it, uh, you are dependent on your neighbor to respect it just as much. And we'll see what happens then when teams start going face-to-face. We'll chat with Tom Hart. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Uh, one more segment here on this Thursday edition of the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080. And the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Chat with Tom Hart of the SEC Network and ESPN. Uh, we're talking about uh, college football, and um, when the Carolina story about going to all online classes first broke, I think there was an initial wave of reaction that that, uh, that was going to shut down football. I'm let's see what your take is. I think at this point, those three leagues, major. Power Five leagues I'm talking about, SEC, ACC, Big 12, have made this commitment that they believe they can do this, at uh, at least at the moment, and they um, 
this is going to be more like baseball when everybody thought the the Marlins story was going to shut down baseball initially, and baseball's still going. They, um, it, you know, they're going to give this some time to try to play out and see if they can pull it off. Yeah, the the scheduling um, was done in a way by these leagues to allow for maximum schedule flexibility. You know, they they have a deadline where they want to finish, but in reality, Tom, they could they could move that. You know, if if sure. need be, um, they're not for the most part outside of um, you know Miami and Pittsburgh. They're not relying on someone else's stadium to be available. And quite frankly, outside of you know the Steelers and the Dolphins, it's not like there's a bunch of concerts scheduled coming into those stadiums anyway. Um, but what it does to me is it illustrates just we're talking about being dependent on your neighbor to respect this virus as much as you do. Um, it shows how interconnected these leagues are now. Um, you know, the Big 12 has had some, from what I understand, like they, they were very close to making some tough decisions. Maybe they wouldn't play. Oklahoma, some reports out of Norman, even over the last 24 hours, have said that they're, they're on more shaky ground than they have been. Um, they can't, the SEC can't afford for one of those two leagues to go, go down because I think, uh, the Big 12 or the ACC would take the other one down with it, and I don't think Greg Sankey wants to be the lone man standing. I think he's okay being the last man standing if uh, you know everybody starts, but just to make a goal of it himself um, in this league on its own would be tough. What's really interesting to me is what's coming out at the, the Big 12, if the reports are accurate, that Oklahoma would rather not play, but they understand, as is the league's right, that everybody else in the league would continue to play without them. And one of the reasons is because the rest of the league would look at that and go, no Oklahoma? Boy, we got a chance to win this, whether you're Iowa State or Kansas State or somebody else who otherwise wouldn't have a chance. Texas would have the same attitude. Well, we got no Oklahoma? Fine. And then, and then we'll see if that were to occur, a microcosm of what's going to happen, in my opinion, to the Big Ten and Pac-12. While they are on the sidelines this year, recruits are going to see other leagues playing and they're going to see the commitment that other leagues have made to football as opposed to the Big Ten and Pac-12. And so they're going to, those two leagues are going to be in a real sell mode all year with a very limited audience to try to convince their guys to continue and show up to campus and to try to recruit the next wave. It will be, if things go off um, as planned, a huge advantage, not just for the SEC, but for the ACC and the Big 12. Well, go get a nap after your baseball game has finished, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully see you in a press box sometime soon. That'd be wonderful. Thanks, Tom. Tom Hart the SEC Network at ESPN. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Second half of our show. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. And, Justin, uh, what are your early observations from U.K. football practice being back in business from what you've heard from coaches and players or what you've heard elsewhere? Oh, just lost the connection with Justin. Uh, let me uh, take that opportunity then to – Tell you that uh, the NBA is looking at some regional combines uh, around the country, so they couldn't have the one catch-all deal that they typically have. But 
glad that they're doing this. Um, so this could be big for Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards to improve their draft stock a little by uh, getting to uh, go into some of those settings. More importantly, getting to uh, maybe have some more interaction with uh, NBA folks in different uh, different teams. So glad to hear that. Justin Rowland back with us now. Justin, I was just asking, what are you hearing uh, – on UK football, either observations from what you've heard from coaches and players publicly, or anything else. Um, I mean, I, I think we're it's still it's still a little bit early, and everybody's going to be watching Terry Wilson. But apparently, he he looked pretty good, and Joey Gatewood pushing him, even though his status is uncertain. People are really excited. People had a couple of people say that they feel like this could be as good or better than the ten and three team, but. You know, it's really early, and and there's a lot to be determined, but a lot of room for optimism, too. Speaking of uh, two things there, you mentioned Joey Gatewood, and you also uh, used the word optimism. So uh, on the uh, transfers for Saar and for Gatewood, um, my sense is that probably Kentucky fans had gotten really optimistic, and now there have been a few of uh, waivers denied uh, by the NCAA, and that uh, there's maybe a little more pessimism creeping back in for for one or both of those guys. Is that how it is for you? I mean, it's kind of like the the COVID news at least a few weeks ago. Before it seemed like you know we were really going to have a season, we were riding waves of optimism and pessimism that might or might not be rooted in reality. I mean, it seems like the the NCAA really is evaluating these things on a case by case basis. You know, I think some of the concern is there have been more denials handed down recently. Um, you know, Cade Mays, for instance, transferring to Tennessee, but, you know, his, his dad was suing the school, but he left. So, um, and, and it stands to reason that, that maybe some of the cases that have taken longer are more complicated and more subject to being denied. So I, I, I would say it's not a great sign, the trend recently, but uh, it, it's certainly um, not a sign that they're definitely not going to be approved. I don't know that I've seen any quarterback not get approved. So Joey Gatewood would perhaps make history if if that comes to. Maybe there have been. I just can't remember any. Yeah, and, I, and I've heard that Auburn was cooperating after all. Initially, I was I was one of the reasons I was hesitant was why would Auburn be thrilled to see Joey Gatewood be eligible when Kentucky's playing at Auburn this year? But apparently, they've supported his cause and his case, and that, that can't help or that can't hurt the waiver process. I know you uh, were tweeting about some observations off the the depth chart and just the roster in general. Uh, what were some of the, the things that really caught your eye for Kentucky football? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you could go player for player, and there are some big movers. Gatewood, for instance, down 21 pounds from the spring. Um, Drake Jackson down quite a bit, which is not a concern because he's always been able to deal with guys bigger than him. Um you, Nick Lewis, I mean, the big offensive lineman who hasn't played yet, came into Kentucky at 367, and he's down to you know, 320 now. Um, so you have like how a lot of guys that have, that have really gained a lot of weight. The one that's interesting is DeAndre Square, who's going to have to play a lot of snaps at linebacker. And last year he was about 205, and this year he's up to 224. And just the pictures of him, he looks like he's ready to be a more durable player in there, which with Chris Oates not being you know, around for this year uh, is going to be important. You know, he, DeAndre, uh, really it seemed to be started fast last year and then maybe faded a bit, and, and maybe it uh, that's that those two go hand in hand. 
that's what when I interviewed John Summerall, inside linebackers coach, earlier this off season, and I was asking what does each player need to do, what he said it wasn't really really anything that Square did wrong. It was the wear and tear kind of got to him. They wanted him to not have to play as many snaps this season. And then the crit Oath news comes out, and my question is like, wow. So right in the middle of the defense, you've got a depth problem, and a player who you already wanted to rest more is going to have to play even more. So that was a concern, but now you're looking at Square, and it's like he doesn't even look like the same player. So I know they're confident, and, and somebody told me recently that it looks like he could play tomorrow. So he, he's one of the players that they're most excited about. Yeah, and this schedule of, of 10 SEC games is going to take a real physical toll. I mean, there's no weeks to, you know, it's, nobody ever talks about taking a week off against, you know, a, you know, a mid-major team, but still it's, uh, it's not the same level of force of collision when you're colliding with SEC players. And these, these teams have such large staff. It's not a thing. We're talking about it. They know about it. So, you know, the goal is going to be to get Kentucky in those 70 to 80 snaps snaps in a game situation where you got to go to Marquez Bimbry and Jared Casey and those guys are, are going to have to be ready a year earlier than they otherwise might have. Fortunately, right in front of Square and Jamin Davis, they've got 355-pound Quentin Bohanna and, and now 380-pound Marquand McCall. So uh, McCall is going to have to probably shed a little bit of weight and, and improve the durability uh, factor, which was something we heard about him before last season, and he, he managed to do that before the start of the year. So, so they got some size, which will help uh, up the middle. One basketball note: uh, you were tweeting about uh, a story that uh, David Sisk from your staff did uh, as far as Kentucky's recruitment on with Hunter Salas, why he could be a good fit. Yeah, from uh, from Omaha, he's uh, kind of a combo guard. Uh, I think we got him as the number eleven player in the twenty one class, and. Eric Bossy, our national analyst, very familiar with him. He's he's not quite a pure point guard, but Bossy thinks in the long run, playing on the ball is going to be better for him. That's just what he's more comfortable doing. And because coaches haven't been able to travel around and see so many guys, um, he thinks Calipari has been reluctant to offer uh, too quickly. But Bossy thinks, you know, that that eventually that's probably going to happen. He's probably going to fill a need that Kentucky's going to have. And Bossy's kind of just saying, you know, is it, is it going to be too late for Kentucky to get involved? So there's another complication of COVID and, and, and how it's affected the recruiting process, but Dallas definitely somebody that Kentucky's starting to take a closer look at. Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. You guys still have the special going on for uh, subscribers? 60 days free. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's on the front page of the site. There you go. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, Tom. Heading to a break, uh, as we do, we'll remind you that we're served up each and every day by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They have a new patio out at their uh, Hamburg location you can check out. They are uh, real appreciative of uh, all of you guys supporting local restaurants like Wild Eggs with your to-go orders and uh, keeping them going during the pandemic. We'll be right back with Coach Darren Henshaw. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back into our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempworks.com hotline. Bring on Coach Darren Henshaw from UK football staff, co-offensive coordinator, QB's coach. and um, We'll start with uh, Terry Wilson, uh, Coach Henshaw, and um, through first couple of days, uh, how has he looked? Uh, well, after the first practice, I was uh, really impressed with him. He's worked 
really, really hard on his rehab. He's 100%. Um, you know, there's some, some yeah, obviously there's some rust that he's going through that's that's very normal, but we got 20, 25 practices to get ready for the first game. But he, he, he looked very impressive for his first day out there. Um, and Coach Stoops is, you know, he's really uh, doing a great job as far as we're throwing the football, you know, we're, we're throwing the football a lot. So we're giving him those reps and all the quarterbacks reps where they lost in the in the spring, you know, to be able to continue to, to get better at the passing game. And then obviously we're gonna we're gonna run the rock, you know that. <laughs> so it's just one of those situations too where Terry also looked good. Uh he pulled the ball a couple times and took off on his first day and um you know, he's he's you can see his gaining confidence. Uh, with running and, and with that knee, knee injury and everything is really just behind him now, and he's got to continue to work, and he's got to get reps. You were talking to us earlier in the in the summer when you were doing just the Zoom stuff and about how productive those sessions were and and uh, how good Terry was uh, in terms of recognition of things and uh, understanding, etc. Um, so with the idea of shaking off some of that rust or are you confident that you can get him where he needs to be uh for the opener oh yes for sure yeah and again with and again a lot of this when i say rust it's just i mean he it's just getting back on the on and again riding the bike you know you gotta get back on the bike you know you gotta fall a couple times you know and and again he's he's done a great job to get him get himself in the position where he's at right now to be able to go out there and go perform and it's the the thing, Tom, is that I mean you don't you you can't simulate the team drills in the in the Skelly when we we really we, normally we do that all June and July and we didn't get to do that at all nor nor did he get a rep in the spring so again we're going through that right now where you know we've got to go speed up our minds we've got to speed up our feet and uh, but I'm I'm excited where he's at right now I really am after one day. And I'm sure he he recognizes that there there certainly is no easing into this season because of uh, the situation that you're in. You're starting off at Auburn. That's about as as hard right. as you'd want it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and uh, we're excited about the opportunity and um, you know to to have a season. So it's it's you know right now we're taking it one day at a time. Um, and again, we're going to continue to get better all the all the way until we you know get the game win. When we see Terry on the field on September 26th, um, what do you think fans are going to notice as uh, some of the most improved aspects of his game when he you get him to where you want him to be? Well, I'll tell you this: his his well, his mind has been really, really sharp because of the Zoom meetings. So I really like where he's he's he knows where to go with the football. That's not an issue uh, that used to you know. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, he missed all last season basically. In the season before, he was a sophomore. Um, so, you know, he, he now is a true senior and understand, like, he's been studying, he's been working. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that you're going to see from him is he, is him being able to make decisions faster, be able to get rid of the football quicker, um, cause his mind is really, really clear right now, which is what I love. So the, the, the next thing is just the physical, you know, we just got to get him physically ready to play and he's, He's worked his tail off. He looked really good uh, on day one, so we just got to keep on working. We're going to keep going through installs. But again, I mean, it's one of those situations too where I mean, you know, he he's got to work through it mentally also as far as the you know the aspect of the game. 
But I don't know if you're necessarily going to see something where you're going to be like, the, the one thing I will say is he's going to stay in the pocket more and throw the ball better than he ever has. And that's just from the the work that he's put in to, to get ready to get back for his senior season? Well, I would say this. His sophomore year, like, if his first read wasn't there, he would peek at his second read and take off. And and we beat Florida. I mean, he did a great job. You know, I mean, he you know, he did a lot of great things his sophomore year. Junior year, he was prepared to stay in the pocket a little bit longer and be able to go through his progressions to be able to th- so we could throw the ball, obviously more efficient, and throw the ball down the field. Obviously, he, we, we didn't get to that point. I think right now his mental part of it is there, and now all we have to do is just the physical just just put him in those situations. I mean, it's, it, you know, obviously, we've got 25 practices before the first game. Uh, Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen, how are those guys looking? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Joey looks really, really good. Um, great attitude. Uh, you know, wants to come in and watch extra film. So does Bo Allen. Uh, Bo Allen looks really, really good. Um, you know, Bo's a freshman, so he's going, you know, he'll make mistakes. Joey's a little bit older, so, I mean, but Joey's making mistakes, too, here and there. But I'll tell you what, everybody in the Big Blue Nation is going to love to watch those two uh, the next for the next years. It's going to be in, in, you know, I mean, both of them are competing, too, at a high level. So it's really exciting. You know, Coach Stoops talked earlier this week, and, and you were touching on this a little bit uh, earlier as well, about the emphasis on, you know, the work you're putting in on the passing game. And uh, Stoops talked about just develop, developing more precision, precision in the passing game. Uh, for Terry having missed that year, but you also you, you, you as you mentioned you missed a lot of time you would have normally had in getting some reps out there. So, how will you guys as you approach that first game? How much uh, do you think you'll be able to to deploy of, of the playbook you would like to have for an opening game? Will you uh, have uh, be able to have time to get everything you need? Oh yeah, we'll have everything in that we need. And again, we're going to run the rock. I mean. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to run the football. And then we're going to have play action off of that. We're going to have RPOs off of that. And then we'll have a passing game. And we're going to, we're going to continue to develop the passing game. But I mean, we're, we're, we still have the big blue wall and we have every running that back, back is from, from last year. So I mean, quarterback's we're best friend. <laughs> it's exactly right. And that will open up the passing game. And so we will, you know, again, uh, I'm not going to say how many times we're going to throw it a game, anything like that. But I know this: we'll, we're going to be better at passing football than we were last year. <laughs> what about that receiver group? Um, Coach Stoops mentioned uh, Josh Ali uh, maybe stepping up uh, even more off what he did at the end of last season. Uh, who are some guys that have caught your eye early? Yeah, Josh Ali is really stepping up. Um, you know, you got uh, Alan Daly who's really doing well. Um, Cleavon is, 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 I mean, the whole group, uh, I'll tell you, and we, again, we call him Coach Bo, but Coach Bo, um, he, he's been doing a great job with the receivers. And even, you know, all the way through that group, you can just see there's a, there's a, there's a, there, uh, obviously they're excited because we're throwing the ball too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, last year, we, <laughs> last year was, uh, it was a blocking drill every, every, every snap except for a couple snaps. But um, you can just see. But the other thing too is they're blocking well too, and um, it's it's exciting to see those guys and our young guys too. I mean, all of them are stepping up. Bryce Oliver is going to be a guy. Um, you got Demarcus Harris. 
who is really stepping up. You got guys excited about being out there, and we are throwing the ball more. And so that's a, you know obviously that's a, that's a, but well, I'll tell you this: after one practice, we've made more plays on the perimeter than we have in a long time, which is good. So that, that the work that they've been putting in, um, it's been good. It's been really good. Uh, it sounds exciting. Uh, I know fans are starting to actually. Uh, believe this is going to happen and getting excited about it. And uh, so to hear some of these details uh, for them is, uh, I know, got to be um, really getting their juices flowing. So thank you for uh, giving us a little bit of time. We'll let you get back to work. Yes, sir. And the other thing, too, is our tight ends. I mean, our tight ends are doing a great job. I mean, it's it's exciting to see those guys. Those guys are working really hard, and we got some big targets to throw to also. So it's 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 a lot of fun. It's Coach Darren Henshaw, and we take that uh, yesterday because he was going to be uh, busy this morning. Uh, and he also uh, mentioned, uh, I asked him about the, the two guys we haven't seen at quarterback in Gatewood and Allen, but uh, should have also followed up about Sawyer. And he uh, was telling me off the air afterward uh, that Sawyer Smith has looked uh, really sharp uh, in, his, uh, early, in this early going as well. So exciting things to think about if you're a Kentucky football fan right now. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. One Wildcat birthday to pass along today. Coach Brooks, Coach Rich Brooks, celebrates a birthday today. So hopefully he'll have some good tomatoes, catch a big fish, and um, go low on the golf course. So... Uh, happy birthday to Coach Brooks. A um, couple of uh, notes. I uh, just retweeted a, a video from Kentucky Men's Basketball account about a photo shoot that uh, their superb photographer, Chet White, uh, did at the Kentucky Theater, Historic Theater in downtown Lexington with the basketball players, with Coach Cal and Mrs. Cal. And, uh, you can uh, see some details on the Kentucky Men's Basketball Twitter feed. There's a video I said I just retweeted. There's some uh, shots of the pictures, too. Just some really cool Cool stuff. Just kind of serves to underscore this is uh, going to be a fun group uh, this coming season. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at